2: Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here on this International Women's Day with my partner in feminism, Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by a woman we have been dying to talk to for a long time. It is former Congresswoman Katie Hill. Katie, thank you so much for joining us
1: this morning. Absolutely. I'm doing well. Thank you. What's your reaction to Megan Uh Marco, I am totally kidding. Totally kidding, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like everybody, you know, everybody in America was just captivated. <laughs> I was like okay, last so night I was watching yeah. commercials during this two-hour interview. I don't watch commercials. Yeah,
0: no, it was it it definitely took over the world yesterday.
1: So funny. Um, so so today's International Women's Day. Um, and I I love that we we have you, um, here with us because I feel like you are the living embodiment of so many of the different uh things that we discuss on the show every day um (laughs) you know just just given the fact that we have sort of lived through an era where uh they the standards for what's allowed in our politics and um our uh the way that we debate (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. uh
1: things has changed and we were in in the last um segment we were just talking about uh I don't know. It, it's going to sound weird when I say it, but I was like, what what is my my fascist dictatorship but it's compassion. It's forced compassion. Uh-huh. Forced oh. compassion <laughs> fascism. <laughs> yes, compassion fascism. Uh it's my movement. Um and it, it's sort of the idea that um you know, we we lived through the Trump era and there were just no standards anymore for for our discourse and we were not able right. to 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 operate in good faith debate because there's a whole side of our partisan um divide that is not operating in good faith at all um Mm -hmm. you also are somebody that has experienced the misogyny and sexism firsthand um of this era and i just Mm -hmm. i guess on international women's day wanted to start by just asking you to reflect on where we are i mean we're out of the trump era technically but it doesn't really feel like we are (laughs) we still yeah. have a long yeah, ways to go.
0: No, you're totally right. And it's, it's interesting. I, I woke up realizing that, and I hadn't thought about this until today, but four years ago today is when I announced that I was running for Congress. So, um, you know, it's, it's just crazy to think about how much in my life has changed over the last four years that I was <laughs> ran as a long-term uh, candidate, got elected to, was in Congress, had a freaking crazy scandal, was, resigned from Congress and is now, you know, kind of am trying to move on with the next chapter of my life. But, um, you know, it's, I think it's, we do, we need to take a day to reflect on, we have come really far, right? You know, the the, the, the norms and behaviors that were so common for our parents or for our mothers and our grandmothers to have to, to put up with and, and that they were expected to deal with in the workplace and in their personal lives um, are changing and it's going to be better for the next generation. It's already better for us. But it doesn't mean that the work is anywhere near done. And that's why her time is so important for me, because, you know, we're focusing now on the legislative priorities of, you know, raising the minimum wage, which just hugely impacts women more than men, Um, protecting the right to organize, uh, you know, and and allowing people to organize in the way that they they need to, paid family leave, equal pay, um, reproductive freedom, authorizing the Violence Against Women Act, and all of these things are issues that that should be easy. Well, I don't want to say easy because nothing's easy in legislation, but they should be politically easy to accomplish. And um, they disproportionately affect women and, and we need to be fighting for them. And we have to fight for them in a way that says these are our fundamental rights. And this allows us to become truly equal citizens.
2: Talk a little bit about her time pack and and what's what sets it apart from other entities that are helping women run for office because I was I was really excited when i heard that this was the particular focus that you were going to have
0: yeah so two things we've got two branches within her time the first is candidate support so last year as you know we were in a full election cycle we really tried to focus on early support for women who um who weren't necessarily that were often the long shot candidates they were the ones that that we wanted to support we want to see them as a long-term investment even if they didn't win that cycle and we're excited that, you know, it looks like many of the ones that weren't successful in their first campaign uh, last cycle are, are going to be running again or looking at other offices um, because it's that that initial bit of support that makes such a difference. Um, and I, you know, I learned that from running myself and it's so hard to get. It's much easier if you're a man who has already got the connections within the political space or the fundraising abilities and, um, and especially that's that's magnified so much more when you're talking about women of color. Um, and so we focused on, focus on that. We had some great successes. Uh, now this year that we're in, you know, we're in a legislative year, we're off year for elections, we're going to focus some on, you know, uh, uh, candidate – incumbent protection and candidate development. But we're also really focused on the legislation and um, political kind of uh, uh, growth within, within Washington, D.C., and making sure that these are the priorities and um, that there's broad support within them and um, kind of becoming, you know, we're a new pack, right? So it, becoming a major player in Washington is, is a focus right now. And we're staffed up. And when I say staffed, I mean, it's consultants, but still, um, and right. I'm, you know, I'm really excited about it. I, listening to you talk about, the,
2: okay. So I feel like we have, so much progress and so much wind at our back right now in terms of the legislative priorities and in terms of who we elect the kinds of women that are able to run you were not a traditional candidate when you ran mm-hmm. there's and and you won and you probably would have been reelected. um yeah this is a different moment mm-hmm. and yet we're still like all i want to do is talk to you about that and yet, I feel like I have to ask you about Andrew Cuomo and I have to ask you about Madison Cawthorn because we are still dealing yeah. with men behaving badly, which is like, mm-hmm. not only do I not want to deal with that, it makes us not talk about all the cool shit that you want to do. <laughs> so, right. So, no, it's
0: I, true. I, guess I mean, how fr-
2: I was just going to yeah. ask how frustrating it is it to have mm-hmm. that sort of dichotomy in your world?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's something that we're going to be dealing with for a long time. Um, and, you know, the question we need to be asking ourselves truly is what, what accountability do we want from public officials yeah. who are accused yeah. of harassment or assault? What do, we, what do we expect, you know, an apology? Do we expect a resignation? You know, what I've learned from my situation is that we, you know, there's, there are a lot of shades of gray in, in the situations, but the consequences tend to be black or white. And our standards as Democrats, and this is a good thing, but our standards are much higher um, or, you know, that we have them at all uh, compared to Republicans. You know, Donald Trump was in the White House and Donald Trump continues to be the standard bearer for the Republican Party. Um, Whereas you look at me and I resigned, apologized, and have spent the past year working on myself all because of a consensual relationship. Um. So, you know, you can see the difference between the standards for men and women, just generally speaking, but between the two parties is just kind of overwhelming. And it is frustrating. And I think, you know, we, we're going to have to, we're going to have to kind of decide among our group of progressives, of Democrats, of, you know, the people who are pushing for these changes, what do we want? And I think the first thing needs to be, you know, with, with Cuomo, as an example, we need real apologies, and we need people to learn from their experiences. And, and a apologizing by saying you're sorry for how you for how you know people feel (laughs) is uh, is not enough right you need to be apologizing for your actions you need to be apologizing and showing that you've you know if these happened a while ago then what's different now um and I think that that's you know that's not that's not what we've seen so far and um maybe if there was some sort of a standard uh then and I don't mean that we're ever going to be able to write up standards of you know what's okay and what's what's acceptable, but at least right. if we can kind of come up with them, then it might make it so that these don't just focus. The, these just aren't the uh, you know the my, the main focus within the news. I, don't I, know I mean, I, I find myself like that.
2: frustrated that it becomes will he or won't he resign when all right. I really care about is will this behavior stop?
0: Right. 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 Exactly. And ha- yeah. Yeah. Ex- exactly. It's like the re- the resignation at the end of the day, you know, I think what one of the things I learned from my own is that there's a real value in letting the voters decide and that it's extremely disruptive to have a resignation. And, you know, I don't, I don't know still if I did the right thing by resigning, especially when you look at the fact that my district flips back and um, you know, it, now it's got a crazy QAnon Republican who's there. Like, I, I hate ha- that that was the ultimate kind of consequence and it wasn't one that I was prepared for honestly i did not expect that to happen so um yeah i think i think that we don't we don't know like it it, we also shouldn't be looking at it as you know choosing the lesser of two evils because that's not what we're hoping for but it it brings us back to the point of that's why we need to be cultivating and helping grow the next generation of leaders and the future uh, of politics which i think should center with women because our voices have been left out of politics for so long
1: I think what you just said about not knowing uh if it was the right thing is is so refreshing refreshingly mm-hmm. honest um that I it surprises me that you'd say that um and and why do you say that I mean because, what what I thoughts mean, do you have when you're sort of doing the I mean as women we can totally relate to this you make a decision and you're like was that the right thing and then you sort of like go through a million more times nope. but like what is that process yeah. like for you when when you are wondering well maybe I I shouldn't have resigned I mean all these men they're out here doing God knows what right. and they definitely are not resigning they do do not yeah. resign
0: right yeah I know and and you know I had I had plenty of experienced politicians people who were there for a lot longer saying you can you can wait it out you can ride this out and I had people say go to rehab take some time away and you know politically you'll survive this and they probably were right, you know, we just, um, voters, I don't, I, we, we don't know, we'll never know, right? But I think that, um, you know, you look at kind of from a utilitarian point of view, I, I know that the policies I would have supported and the job that I was doing in Congress would help more people than what my my successor has, is doing. And that ultimately, you know, I, I needed to take responsibility and accountability for for what I did. But I also was a freaking victim of revenge form, and that doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So on a personal side, I think that, you know, my, what I'm doing now is really important, you know, with the civil lawsuit that we're pursuing. And, and hopefully this can change some precedence because, you know, we should not say that photos that invade someone's sexual privacy, regardless of who they are, are a First Amendment right. That so-called journalists who happen to be political opponents are, um, are able to exploit. And that, that just needs to be something that we, we hash out, whether it's in law or through the courts or whatever it might be. Um, so my mom is a big, um, you know, proponent of everything happens for a reason. And considering how much stuff she's been through, like, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing that she's continued to <laughs> keep, keep that philosophy. But, um, you know, I, I kind of have to go with that. And, um, and, you know, we'll see where we'll see where things take me.
2: I'm one of those people who believes that you can you can find reason in everything. I can't believe that everything happens for a reason, but I do believe yeah. that you can find a reason in everything that happens. On, on, on a personal note, I just want to say, okay, so I'm, I'm bisexual. I have uh-huh. had several extremely non-traditional relationships. And as someone who is working in politics, I, I always assumed that that sort of meant that I wasn't ever going to run. And then Mm -hmm. you ran and i was so excited (laughs) to see you win and then that happened and i was like my god that is exactly what i was afraid of that is exactly the thing i was worried about and i i was gutted when what happened to you happened to you but you picked up so quickly and came right back and you were like no people (laughs) wanted to hear my voice and i have something to say can, where yeah. did you get that resiliency from? It felt like you took a minute to like cry it out, and then you were right back in there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I felt like part of, you know, part of it is is stubbornness, and because I felt like so much of what this was about, from both my ex and from you know the people who 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 perpetrated it, um, that it was a, it was a takedown and it was an effort to silence me, and so there was a big kind of you know, fu part of it that was galvanizing to me is like, you're not going to get to silence me. Maybe you got me out of office, but I'm not, as I said in my resignation speech, like I might not be here now, but I'm not going to be gone forever. And what Dawn means is up for inter- interpretation. And, and I still don't know what that means. Right. But I know that I'm not going to go away. And I felt like it was too important for the people who, who did look up to me and who did see it as, as inspirational or as important to have a voice, like mine, in a position of power, to um, to say, you know, we can get knocked down, and we're going to continue to to face these these you know battles and these um these these fights to to actually participate in the systems that we're trying to kind of infiltrate, I guess. But um, but you know, it doesn't mean that we like we're going to have to keep trying. We're going to have to keep keep going. So um, yeah, I, it's it's hard, and there are days when there have been plenty of days over the last year where I'm just like, God, I just want to, you know, stay in bed all day. And, um, you know, it's a real, it's a real like trauma and recovery. And the fact that my mm-hmm. brother died right afterwards, it's just, it's just, it's just a freaking lie. I've got the the lawsuits that are so draining. Um, but it's, you know, thinking about the long term and thinking about the other people that would have just been crushed and kept it as, I don't know. I, I I just felt like I couldn't I couldn't stay away. I, I wouldn't be doing the right thing to stay silent. Um, and I don't know who decides what's right, but that's how I felt.
2: You do, you do. I mean, do, well, we started, do you think you we started, ever started might with Megan Markle, again? but
1: I'm telling you. Okay, oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Answer that question first. <laughs> uh,
0: what what was the question?
1: Do you think you ever might run
0: for office again? I certainly am. Am keeping my options open. Like, I haven't ruled anything out. But, you know, running, again, there's a lot to consider because I'm in the middle of the civil litigation, which is super important to me. We're doing this really important work with her time, um, you know, on on the issues that might actually have a chance in passing this Congress. Um, There's redistricting, which is going to shake up a lot of things in California. So I haven't taken anything off the table yet, but I haven't made any decisions. But but what I do know is that I don't feel like I can't. Right. I I don't feel like, you know, forever I'm I'm out of it. I think that I have taken responsibility for it. I think there are some people who decide that they can't they're not going to support me, whether it's because of the inappropriate relationship that I had or because, you know, I mean, I think that probably the crossover support I had from Republicans is not really there anymore. But honestly, I think that's more because of how um, outspokenly progressive I've become since I left office, even more than it was you know, the scandal. Um, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, Mm -hmm. we'll see.
1: So I, my, my question was sort of your advice to younger women about how to find their voice. I mean, I think, you know, we started talking the interview sort of (laughs) joking about Meghan Markle, but I think in, in all seriousness, one of the powerful things about her interview was that, you know, she was just speaking her truth. And, and mm-hmm. that comes mm-hmm. in a lot of different forms and contexts, right? Everybody has their own truths to speak, particularly if they experience abuse or trauma. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, what do you do in those moments when you're, like, really, really scared, right? Yeah. Um, but it is important to speak your truth because you're almost, like, empowered by the act of working through that fear and just pushing through the yeah. fear. And so I guess my question is just advice to younger women who are in that moment. I mean, yeah. it may not be one thing that you do, but I think that you're an example of, you know, even if, you know, there's something controversial swirling, you know, there is power in standing in your truth and, and just saying, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to disappear yeah. in shame. I'm not, I refuse. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, I guess when I, when I think about, you know, people speaking their truth, the, the, and, and how hard it initially is, is that, you know, well, I would say two things. One is that it gets easier the more you do it, just like the more you do anything, the easier it gets. Um, and this, the second is that you, you, you have, we all have this incredible inner strength that can come out and that, that also gets stronger the more that we, we allow it to happen. And, um, you know, you're, you, you can, you kind of, as you become, as, as the two things align, right? Like, your being and your your truth kind of get more and more um, on the same page. Then the stronger you become altogether. And then I think the you know the, the last thing is that there is support, right? There is an incredible and and the support is getting stronger and stronger. And the community of survivors and of people who um, who will come to your you know to to your defense is there, and you'll you'll be able to find people, um, and they'll they'll find you. So just it takes courage and um but it's it's so necessary and in the long run it's the right thing to do for yourself as much as it is for other people
2: katie hill thank you so much for joining us this morning it's really been amazing to talk to you and obviously we can't wait to see where you go next we'll be back tomorrow with another signal boost podcast
1: thanks for listening